Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. From the Middle Ages to the Middle East, from Futura to Freight. Join us on a journey across the type universe and go where no designer has gone before. Welcome to an incomplete history of type. Name, Times New Roman. Release date, 1932. Designers, Stanley Morrison and Victor Lardin. Classification, mixed, transitional, old style. A serif typeface. Owned by, monotype. And finally, claim to fame, the typeface commissioned by the Times and the most widely installed serif typeface. Times New Roman may remind you of the good old days in high school. With countless MLA-style papers, or even professional, yet boring-looking resumes. It might even remind you of the long instruction manuals you most definitely read and don't throw out. We're all guilty, don't you worry. Now you may be thinking to yourself, no one even uses Times New Roman anymore, or Times New Roman is so outdated. But I assure you, Times New Roman is still an important typeface to look at. I mean, Even after almost a century, nine decades it's been, it can still be found everywhere. Let's start at the beginning. Why was Times New Roman created in the first place? Well, believe it or not, it actually began as a challenge. Stanley Morrison, a well-known and esteemed type designer, criticized London's newspaper, The Times, for being out of touch with the modern typographical trends at the time. And so, the Times reached out and asked him to help rebrand themselves by creating a fresh new typeface for them. With the help of draftsman Victor Lardin, they were able to create the typeface we know today as, you guessed it, Times New Roman. While creating this new typeface, Morrison had two goals in mind efficiency, and readability. Since he knew his typeface would specifically be used in newspaper printing, he really wanted to make sure that it was economical, meaning that he wanted to maximize the amount of type that would fit on a line and thus on a page, while also still making it enjoyable to read over time. How did he do this, you wonder? Well, let's look at, I mean, hear about some specifics. Morrison increased what is known as X-height, the distance between the top and bottom of a lowercase letter that doesn't have any ascenders or descenders, like the letter C or N. More simply put, 
x height is literally the height of a lowercase x. The x height can also be described as the amount of space between the median and the baseline. But enough about x height. Morrison also achieved efficiency by reducing the tracking, which is known as the space between each letter form. By adjusting these two type features, Morrison was able to create a more condensed typeface. So that was how he achieved his first goal of efficiency. But what about readability? On to that now. Morrison paid particular attention to the shapes of his letter forms. He designed his letter forms to ensure that more typographic contrast was present, meaning that there was a clearer difference between the thick and thin parts of letters. For example, the vertical strokes in the lowercase n were widened, and the intersecting strokes were thinned. By doing this, it kept the typeface from appearing too dark or congested in the newspaper, and it gave it a more rounded appearance, thus increasing its legibility. After countless testings, Times New Roman was officially showcased in the Times and introduced to the public on October 3, 1932. The Times owned the rights to the typeface for a year, and then in the following years, American publishers slowly started to adopt it. Why were they slow to adopt it, though? Because, in order for it to look its best, it required a certain amount of ink and quality of paper that American newspapers were initially unwilling to use. But, Woman's Home Companion was the first magazine to adopt it in 1941, and then shortly after, in 1953, the Chicago Sun Times began to use it as well. It's important to remember that Times New Roman was designed specifically for newspaper printing and not book printing. It was originally intended to be used in shorter line widths, like the columns of a newspaper, but a wider version of the typeface was later created in order to be used in longer line widths of text. But I won't get too much into that. Though Times New Roman may seem outdated now, The reason it remains relevant today is primarily thanks to Microsoft and Apple. Technically speaking, Times New Roman, owned by Monotype, is one of Microsoft's core fonts, and Times Roman, owned by Linotype, is one of Apple's. They are basically the same font, but the original typeface hardware was created by the Para Foundries. Both Monotype and Linotype made their own typefaces available, just with slightly different names. Apple ended up choosing Linotypes, and Microsoft chose Monotypes. Confused yet? It's okay. I'll move on now. In the early computer days, most documents were still printed, and Times New Roman was not only designed for print, but was widely available as well. Since everyone either had a Windows or Apple computer at the time, on top of that, MLA or Chicago style required Times New Roman 12-point font, full circle. So whether or not Times New Roman brings you nostalgia, it's always nice to learn about how things came to be and know where typographical trends were 
in order to further understand where they are heading. Thank you for joining me on this episode of an incomplete history of type.